0: Well, I I believe it was uh, Thomas Jefferson who first uh, made that suggestion of, if you're angry, count to 10. And then he said, if you're really angry, count to 100. Uh, Mark Twain came along a little later and he said, if you're angry, count to 10. If you're really angry, cuss. Uh, I'm not sure really uh, how much those things really help us. And and really today, um, in sharing and talking about anger or wrath, not really uh, wanting to talk too much about, um, you know, the whole uh, restraining or self-control of anger, that sort of thing, but really talking about some of the roots of it, where it comes from and, and why, why we have it and uh, how our anger is different from God's anger. And because uh, and really, you know, the truth is that we've been learning uh, over this past series is, is how deep sin gets in us. And it is in us, and uh, and there's some help that has to come not just from the outside, and not just from our uh, self control or restraining ourselves. That really that a lot that's connected with some of these seven deadly sins is is idolatry. There's a there's something going on within the heart, and uh, we're worshiping something else. So today, speaking about wrath, there's an element that goes beyond anger, and there there has to be distinguishing between human a human sense of anger, and God's holy anger or wrath. And to tell you the truth, I I don't really fully understand God's wrath. And I can't comprehend how God pours out love, showing mercy, and at the same time pours out wrath. But I do know that He is the infinite God, and I'm finite human. And so I'm going to try to do my best today to present the things God has revealed in his word and make clear in his word about wrath and about anger but let me tell you first just where i'm going with all of this so you know where we're landing god's wrath is pure just and holy with no cruelty in it at all god's wrath has been invoked because as humans we have reviled his love we've, we've spurned his love and we've encroached on his holiness on his very character And Jesus Christ is the only remedy for rescue from a wrath that we all deserve. Now, in in studying the seven deadly sins, we've been seeing how sin seems to spring from these seven sins. Uh, like I said last week, uh, capital sins, uh, uh, like a capital in a country and all the roads spreading out. Uh, this, uh, one of these sins can spread to every area of our life. We've also seen how guilty of these sins we are and how we've worshiped our way into sin and we have to worship our way out. And I'm not talking about singing songs when I say that, I'm saying the focus of our, our eyes, the focus of our mind's eye on Jesus Christ. And, and again, before we try to resist these sins, we have to first smash our, our idolatry and replace the idol with the true God, Jesus Christ. Now, this morning, I'm, I'm coming a little weak in this area of anger and wrath. Uh, um, I, I am so guilty of it, and so guilty of it last night, and... Uh, we were setting up. We had a special event here uh, with the Seeds Gala. And, uh, you know, people getting guests coming in. And we were trying to get this room set up for uh, even some of our guest performers that were coming. And I was trying to set up these chairs. And my son was there. And my youngest son, we have this thing where uh, he, he's the child that knows how to joke with me and tease me. Where my other kids are kind of like, Alec, I can't believe you did that. I can't believe you said that. And, and he knows how to do it. And it makes me laugh. Well, uh, last night, you know, just, I was just off and uh, came in, and I was frustrated, and, uh, and so Alec started teasing me about setting up the chairs in there, and he, he said something, and, and I just had a little burst of anger, and did it right in front of all his friends, and, uh, and I just, it was like, it's one of those moments where you realize man's anger does not lead to righteousness. <laughs> And uh, it was one of those moments where you realize that anger really does, when you give bursts or vents to anger, it really only disgraces yourself, really is the truth of it. And uh, I, felt, I felt the shame of it right away, and I just left the room. And um, But to my son's credit, uh, he's 13 years old, uh, when we came home that evening, he, he, he broached the subject first. I was still, I was still shamed and uh, frustrated. And uh, to, so to his credit, he broached the subject and we talked and, uh, and uh, said some important words to each other. And, uh, and then later that night before we went to bed, we talked again. Uh, one of the things in my family is that we really enjoy the peace that we have with each other. And uh, so when there's not peace, uh, we, we can't stand it. We don't like it to last uh, very long. And uh, so we took care of business before we went to bed, before we went to sleep. So uh, I'm not standing here with a whole lot of strength on this subject. And, uh, I'm, just, and I'm not sharing this to you know, make you feel sorry for me or anything like that. I'm just saying this is what the gospel is for. The gospel speaks to us who fail, speaks to us who sin, and speaks to us to say that we're forgiven, and speaks to us to say that what Jesus Christ did at the cross is sufficient and covers us, and we've got to trust in that. So, uh, I believe the power of the gospel is just as powerful as it was 2,000 years ago. That is for us today. And so, uh, but I, I, in, in sharing that also, I just want to say that I, I know I'm not alone in my guilt. Uh, I know that there might be some others of you here today. And uh, so, I, there's this little, little uh, questionnaire that Duke University did. Uh, and it was printed up by a doctor who uh, did some studies, uh, physiological studies on people. And, uh, and he devised this little questionnaire. So I'd like you to answer these questions. It's yes or no. And you can just keep track on your hands. Uh, and, and every time you say yes, keep track of it. So you can, or, you know, you can do it behind your back or whatever. Um, so here's, here, here's the first question. When the elevator stops before arriving at your floor, do you get annoyed? Yes or no. Just, just do it if you've just done it once. It's a yes, all right? Um, don't have to debate about this in your mind. Two, have you ever been so angry to shove or hit someone? Three, at the supermarket, 10 items or less lying, do you count other people's groceries to see if they have more? <laughs> yes or no? If the hairstylist or barber cuts a little too much off, do you fume for days about it? Yes or no? Five, have you dropped friends because they didn't live up to your expectations? Yes or no? When cut off in traffic, do you flash your lights and honk your horn? When people don't show up on time, do you plan an angry speech? All right, when you remember irritating events, do you get irritated all over again? Nine, if the person at the cash register gives the wrong amount of change, do you assume that he or she is trying to cheat you? Keeping track? Here we go. Three more. Do little annoyances throughout the day add up and leave you frustrated and worn out at the end of the day? Eleven, are you often irritated by others' incompetence? Last question. When your spouse cooks, do you watch to make sure nothing burns? How'd you do? You don't have to, you don't have to say out loud or anything. But uh, if if you just said yes one to three times, you're a pretty cool cucumber. Now, uh, if you said it uh, f- yes four to eight times from those questions, you're you're in a normal range. You're in a normal range. If you answered yes nine or more times. Your hostility is high, as the doctor from Duke would say. Uh, The doctor uh, who formed this questionnaire uh, pulled this together from his physiological studies and he wrote a book from it called Anger Kills. And he went on to report things like people who struggle with high levels of hostility and anger are four times more likely to die of a heart attack. Anger kills. And isn't that true even beyond physical effects? I mean, think about it. When you're angry, you are never more vulnerable than at that moment. Anger can eat at you, but it can also disarm you. And, and, and reason goes out the door. Common sense goes out the door. It can destroy relationships and wreck a home. One angry moment Can ruin a testimony for Christ that you've built for years. You know, the uh, Anglican Church, Church of England, got together from both sides of the Atlantic uh, for a discussion on the state of the family. And at one point, they described the main sound that identified with families in Britain. You know what the sound was? Slamming doors. Slamming doors was the sound associated with families in Great Britain. And you know what the sound that was associated with uh, families in America? Cars driving away, peeling out. Both sounds associated with anger in the family. Did you know that most of the murders in the United States are one family member against another member? Someone losing their temper in a moment of fury And they commit a terrible act. In fact, in in 2013, there were more homicides in the city of Detroit than the number of U.S. military deaths in the same year. You know, some of the ugliest scenes in the Bible are angry scenes. You know, the first murder was anger-inspired. In the very first family, Cain was so angry, he wouldn't even allow God to try to pacify him and calm him down. Moses, who is called the most humble man, he's kept from going into the promised land because of a moment of prideful anger. You know, King Saul, he was the first king of Israel, lost his family, lost his throne, lost the kingdom. And one of the sins that led to all that loss was fits of rage. Uzziah, the king of Judah, was struck down with leprosy because of his prideful anger trying to get into the temple when he shouldn't have gone in. Proverbs 16:32 says, "He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who captures a city." And then Proverbs 25:28, "Like a city whose walls are broken down is a person who lacks self-control." I had a relative who had a moment of losing his temper and was quoted that verse by a family member and he just said just call me Jericho <laughs> the walls came down and I would have to say the same last night just call me Jericho Jesus in a sermon on the mount addressed anger you have heard that it was said to the people long ago do not murder and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment but I say to you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment Jesus actually associates anger with anger with murder, like a murder of the heart. And are, are you seeing it now? Anger kills. Anger kills. So, why did God even create this emotion as part of the human experience if it gets us in so much trouble and it, and it kills within, kills without? Well, first, you have to look at our Creator. Over 18 times in the Bible is the phrase the anger of the Lord, it's found in the Old Testament. But to be clear, the wrath of God is never expressed as one of his character traits in the Bible. We hear that God is love, God is just, God is faithful, God is is compassionate, God is holy, holy, holy. But nowhere do we read God is wrathful. The wrath of the Lord is the response of a just, And holy God to whatever does not meet his standard of holiness, namely sin. God is slow to anger, the scriptures tell us. And in the Bible, we don't see fits of rage and malice like you would with myths of the Greek and Roman gods. There's not Yahweh God expressing himself. The justice of God is not removed from the wrath of God. Somehow our God, who is omniscient, knowing every thought and motive, our God, who is omnipresent, ever-every-present witness to everything, everywhere, needs no jury. He needs no special witnesses because he has witnessed everything himself without prejudice or favoritism. God's wrath And anger is also his response to what endangers or threatens what he loves. And guess what? He loves us. And if there's something that threatens us, his wrath is going to come out. You know what threatens us? Sin. That's what threatens us. Well, look, I want to look at Ephesians chapter 4. And really, this is kind of the, the text or the passage for today. In Ephesians chapter 4 starting around uh, verse 26 going to 32 and it says this be angry and this is this is the most literal translation uh, from Greek to English uh, NASB says be angry and yet do not sin do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity let going on to verse 29 let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth but only such a word I think that you can see all the parts where we should get rid of all kinds of anger, rage, malice, and wrath. But did you catch that first part? Be angry and yet do not sin. There, there is an anger that is permitted that doesn't lead to sin. We see it with the prophets in the Bible uh, who had a righteous anger when something that is right or loved of God is threatened or endangered. You know, John the Baptist came across pretty strong sometimes you brood of vipers who told you to save yourselves from the coming judgment i mean sounds just a little bit angry you know nehemiah finds out about the nobles who are oppressing the poor in jerusalem and he pretty much throws a premeditated fit in front of them until they repent and say that they will restore uh, what they've stolen from the poor and stop their oppression. You know, Jesus, after seeing the swindling going on in the temple in Jerusalem, in, goes in premeditated anger the next day. Again, this is, wasn't a, 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 a moment, uh, you know, a, a, a quick release thing. This was over a night, and then the next day he gets up and he becomes the father's bouncer, I mean, he goes into the temple kicking over tables, pushing the swindlers out of the temple. I mean, where there is injustice, we see the legitimate use for anger. I mean, if somebody doesn't get fed up, some things would never get done. You know, Florence Nightingale got angry about the conditions of hospitals and changed it so people weren't killed by the filth of those same hospitals. Abraham Lincoln was in New Orleans and he saw the sale of a slave and he wrote after seeing that experience, if I ever get a chance to hit slavery, I'll hit it hard. The theologian Martin Luther said, when I'm angry, I preach and I pray better. And I suppose that there are some people who don't get angry about anything, but they need to. You know, there might be something wrong with you if you don't ever get angry. You know, people who watch other people suffer and don't get angry about it or don't have any kind of empathy are coming close to being diagnosed a sociopath. It's not good if we see others hurt or suffer and we feel nothing. So maybe, you know, again, maybe it's not anger, but something. And there has to be something that says, that's not right. That shouldn't be done. There's a reason God gave anger as part of our human experience. We should get angry about the things that God gets angry over. So there is a type of anger that is permitted and gets things done. And it's the type of things where justice is involved. But here's the problem. Most of the time, you and me, we don't get angry because we love somebody so much that we get upset over their mistreatment. Usually, when we get angry, it's not because of some moral outrage or, or some injustice done against some other people, is it? I mean, most of the time, the anger I experience is the kind of boiling feeling from being offended of the result or or the result of some frustration and it makes me want to mouth off i mean usually that's the type of anger i experience Or, or maybe it's the kind of anger that makes me stew in my juices and i let it spoil a perfectly good moment or day you see most of the time my anger is not like god's anger and most of the time my anger leads to sin so what gets us so angry that we would sin. What pushes us to that moment? You know, a lot of times it's just because things don't go our way. You know, you go to shoot the goal. Somebody blocks it. That's not a fun feeling when somebody does that. But in life, I'm sure there's some moments at work. You're going for the goal. Somebody blocks it. You drive a certain speed, but someone gets in front of you and slows down. You can see this kind of anger, you know, in a more serious matter with Jonah, the prophet. He did all that running away to disobey God's command to go preach to the Ninevites. And, and uh, finally, after getting out of the belly of a whale, he, he goes to deliver the message to the Ninevite people. And, and he tells them, to repent or that their city is going to be destroyed by God. Well, guess what? The people repent. The whole city turns around and says, we'll serve the Most High God. And, and Jonah, guess what? He gets mad. He gets mad that they repent and turn to God. How's that for a prophet of God? Wow. The Ninevites were actually the enemies of Israel, the arch enemies. And Jonah would rather have seen God destroy them but Jonah isn't God and he doesn't get his way, does he? Jonah gets angry about this and he sits out in the sun hoping to die. I guess that's one way to pout, (laughs) you know, but this is an unrighteous anger, an anger that leads to sin in contrast to Nehemiah and his righteous anger of protecting the poor of Jerusalem. So those two contrasting pictures, Jonah Unrighteous anger leads to sin. Nehemiah, a righteous anger that leads to protection of people. Now, I know that not getting our way, I know that's just one of those things that's the root of us that causes anger. I know there are other causes of anger. Sometimes we, we just react too quickly. We don't listen. As uh, James, the apostle says, speech can really incite anger, can it? Sometimes angry responses are actually learned by hanging around an angry parent or or friends or a relative, and we pick up on it. Proverbs says, be careful of that. Be careful of who you hang out with. If you hang out around an angry person, you'll start picking up their ways. And sometimes anger is just irrational. There is no real reason for it. But I would say a good portion of the underlying problem with you and me and our anger is more like Jonah, you know, in his situation. We desire to be like God. We expect things to go our way. I mean, what else explains this whole idea that we expect when we get on the freeway or the highway that traffic should just be clear and we should just be able to drive without any resistance? I mean, what makes us even think that way? you know, that we we don't have to share the road with anybody, you know. I mean, just even in little things like that, we kind of just hope nothing imposes or impedes. We want our will to be done, our kingdom come, and when things don't go our way, we get angry. And somehow a sense of justice gets twisted and it becomes some sort of desire for revenge or to spew or to vent in some way. And that's where we end up sinning. But it's a good thing that we're not God, right? His justice is not twisted, but pure. And and when we spurned his love and trespassed on his holiness, he didn't let it slide. He didn't let it go. He didn't take a bribe. He didn't show favoritism. The punishment was going to be dealt. He carried out his wrath, but instead of putting it on us, the ones who deserved it, He poured it out. He poured out his wrath on Jesus, his very son. And Jesus absorbed the wrath of God for our wrongs. Jesus did nothing wrong, but he absorbed God's wrath for us. You know, God saw the people he loved, the people he loved harmed by sin, and so he did something about it. His righteous anger actually led to our good, led to our saving. Those who put their faith in Jesus Christ escape the wrath of God. So maybe you're here and you've put your trust in Jesus and and you're not under God's wrath or anger any longer, but you're under his acceptance in Jesus Christ. But maybe you're still wrestling with anger that's killing you. It's slowly killing you on the inside. What do you do? I mean, you can't blow up and vent on others. That, that would be sinful. And, and you can't hold it in because the doctors are telling us that's going to give you a heart attack and kill you. Well, what do you do? I mean, that's, it, that kind of seems like the only two options. But there is a third way. There is a third way. Give your anger to Jesus. Jesus, he absorbed the wrath of God And he can absorb your anger. He knows how to do that. He can take it. He can take your anger. He's not surprised by it. He's not shocked by it. And I think this is what some of what Ephesians 4 means when we are to put off anger or get rid of bitterness, rage, and malice. How are you supposed to get rid of it? You have to give it, give it up, and give it to God. God. Giving it to him. There's a, there's a prayer, two prayers actually, by E. Stanley Jones. And just closing here, and I, I want us to listen to a testimony of someone in, in our, our staff and our congregation who uh, has this testimony of, of struggling and trying to overcome anger. But E. Stanley Jones wrote two prayers, and I, and I, I want to read one of them to you. I do not sail calm seas. I'm driven by tempest of emotion. Help me to harness these for the purposes of your kingdom. For unharnessed, they drive me to the rocks upon which I and my relationships are broken. I surrender myself and my emotions to you. Maybe that's a prayer you can pray when you're trying to give your anger to God. Look, take take some time to get a, a handle on what god's word says about anger i encourage you to read this passage in ephesians 4 read it daily if anger is your is your button that gets hit all the time look up verses on it and let your mind be saturated with the word it's the beginning place for any struggle with sin you know the other thing is to keep your eye on the sun keep your eye on the sun don't let it go down while you're still angry I, I take that verse very literal in Ephesians. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. It's what, what me and Alec did last night. We settled things before we went to bed. There is peace between us. And I encourage you to take that verse literally and don't wait for that person to go to bed before you do so you don't have to make up. Ask forgiveness for the ugliness of your anger and be honest about what caused your anger so you can make your way towards peace God wants to make peace with us through Jesus Christ and for those of us who have Christ we can live in that peace constantly don't forfeit what is yours to enjoy in Christ and then this last prayer from East Stanley Jones I'm tempted to do everything about these resentments this anger except for the one thing I must do with them get them up and out but I will resist the temptation and be inerexable with myself. I will need your help, for I cannot get them up by myself, for the roots have gone deep. Please help me in Jesus' name. Amen.